0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are back y'all another day another week another episode of black broadway podcast the core report black broadway presents the core report and today man we got so much news so many stories so many things to run down it's been one of those exhausting kind of news days so much happening y'all had to do some research we had to dig deep we had to figure out a few things that were going on man everything from what's going on on capitol Hill. uh seems like the vice president is or the Former vice president is going to give us a sneak peek of who his vice president is going to be. Of course, we got protests booming and moving across the world. 45 and his shenanigans, a consistent theme. No worries. We got much stories on that to go. D.C., you know I got to have y'all stories. Everything local, things happening in D.C. Shout out to my listeners for giving me scoops man i'm getting like inside information right here i'm actually getting you know black broadway exclusive stories that i have to go do some journalism and confirm or deny man and of course we got the sports the sports is shenanigans and all of that man but uh let's go ahead and start right off top man let's go start right off top at capitol hill man right now on the hill there's been a lot of craziness happening all week in the midst of honorable john lewis laying in state and you know, bitten that honor as the first African American lawmaker to ever receive that honor, man. That's been a big deal. He's moved on to the Georgia State House now and he's laying in state there. And Barack Obama is scheduled to eulogize him at his funeral later this week. So that's going to be dope. But uh, since they've left, they've done a, since he's been up there and since they left, they did a whole lot of lying, bro. Today, The antitrust hearings took place with the four biggest, they call them the tech kings or the tech gods, you know what I'm saying? The CEOs of the four biggest companies basically in the world, Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. I think we all know their names. You know, we got Facebook is Zuckerberg, of course. Apple is Tim Cook, not Tim Apple, you stupid fucking president. It's Tim Cook. And Amazon, of course, is Jeff Bezos. Google CEO is named Sandar Pachi. A lot of people didn't know that. He's an Indian guy. His name is Sandar Pachi. So I was made familiar with that name a little bit more today. Anyway, these antitrust meetings that were taking place on Capitol Hill today were supposed to be about, you know, the monopoly that these four gigantic companies have over the entire Internet. The fact that four companies basically control all the information and all of the computing, all of the communicating, all the searching that we all do on a daily basis. But no, the conversation wasn't about that. The conversation was immediately flipped by a lot of Republican members of the House of Representatives and Democratic members also had concerns in this fashion. But the conversation was flipped into conversations about algorithms and conspiracy theories and Uh, suppression of conservative opinions versus liberal opinions and hate speech and so on and so forth. This is not what we came up here to talk about and it's actually an irrelevant conversation. The cat is out of the bag right now. The means that people use to communicate, i.e. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, whatever, those have become like public utilities. That's like discussing running water or discussing electricity. It's something that people have come to understand that they have to have, and to try to regulate the way that people utilize these public utilities is something that cannot be legislated simply. It's not something that you're just going to wake up one morning and have an answer to, or it's something that Congress or the president can legislate and enforce. You know, if anybody ever read 1984, that is literally thought police shit. Like, Twitter is literally a lot of people's personal journal, personal diary. If you start trying to police that shit, same with Facebook, same with people's Google searches, the same with people's Apple products and the amount of data that it holds. You start trying to police and control that, you're basically living in a dystopian fascist society, which we're rapidly barreling towards anyway. But these guys had a hearing today. Congress basically sat there and uh, flipped the—they did what I said that they do yesterday, which is they facetiously ask questions to the, quote-unquote, witnesses that are there to, quote-unquote, testify, and then they proceed to grandstand and make points that other people and that are sitting at home, people that are part of their constituency, people that are part of their fundraising networks, people that are a part of their— entire general political organizations this is what they want to hear them talking about but the actual effect on the ground the efficacy of these conversations the efficacy of these hearings is questionable at best my guys like so you know we got to basically hear mark zuckerberg and tim cook and all of them lie to us today which was pretty interesting to to honestly say to hear some of the things that they think about how amazon actually designated several of their own products lots of their own offerings during this pandemic were designated as essential products so that they were easily accessible to the public in general and also made more money larger markups these all of these four tech bros, are critical of social media. They said, and I quote, they do not feel like it's good for democracy to have people being able to express these opinions just unregulated, unchecked. They, the architects of this, the people who have benefited the most from this do not feel as though it's good for democracy. Facebook has a VPN app that they've been using for quite a while now to gather data and gather information about, you know, their users, about the general public. uh, Pardon me. Congressman Cedric Johnson of Georgia questioned Mark Zuckerberg very vigorously about this particular aspect of their operation. And again, these are the kind of things that you're able to do with impunity when you control the market. When you run the monopoly, you can do whatever you want. They can't. There is no competition to Facebook. A lot of us have always tried to, you know, I guess we harken back to the early days of the internet when we used to rock with MySpace, when there was Black Planet around, when AOL and chat rooms that were individually created by certain people, message board forums that were created and coded by certain people ran the internet. There seemed to be a lot more diplomacy and a lot more of uh, a niche community that can be established. Nowadays, I mean, hey, all you got to do is just open up a Facebook group. They took, the, they took the work out of all of that. So while people may feel as though they have a much larger diversity of groups and opinions and communities to join, the actual reality of this is, is that it's all consolidated on one platform or one app. You know what I mean? And all that information, all that data that you input into that is being gathered by the people who control that app. You know what I mean? And when they see other apps doing the same or becoming popular because it's an organic process, they want to acquire those things. People like to talk about how Facebook is a monopoly, but Facebook didn't become a monopoly overnight. Their acquisition of Instagram was a huge deal. Their acquisition of WhatsApp, huge deal. When Facebook acquired those things, they literally consolidated global communication and nobody even paid attention. They got pictures, voice, and written all down in one platform, or pardon me, under one umbrella on several platforms that have already been established by other coders and other people's work. Shit is wild, man. You know what I mean? And again, we weren't really having a conversation about why it is that these singular entities, these handful of companies own all of this intellectual property or own all of this data. What we're really having a conversation about is algorithms and why certain political factions or certain groups don't feel like their voice is being heard as much as others. Silliness, insanity, just, you know, more things to keep the conversation away from a lot of things that could be very helpful and very effective for changing the situation at large. But that's not what people want to do. So let's keep it rocking. Let's go ahead and play the election game. You know we got a uh, election coming up. It is less than 100 days away, which is really fucking frightening. The U.S. presidential election is less than 100 days away. It's coming right now, man. So at the end of the day, uh, we already know who the uh, principals are going to be. Of course, it's 45, and now he's going up against Joe Biden. Joe Biden has to pick a vice president. He has to pick a a running mate, whatever. He's already pledged that he's going to pick a woman of color. You know what I mean? That narrowed down the, the choices considerably. Uh, when you really started thinking about who seriously it could be, the person who it seems by all indications that it's going to end up being is really the only logical choice. You know what I'm saying? She police too. Kamala Harris. She is down with the uh, the right-leaning left or the you know status quo Democratic Party platform that's being put forward. And she's shown and proved that throughout her whole political career. So why wouldn't she be? Joe Biden's uh, running mate. It hasn't been announced yet. He says he's going to formally announce who his running mate is going to be next week. Uh, However, (laughs) they dropped this little real corny uh, setup to just kind of gauge the public reaction to it, which is a picture, an AP photograph, Associated Press. If something gets to the Associated Press, that means it's meant to be seen at large. So this is an AP photograph of him holding a a note card or, you know, some notes while he's approaching a podium and it has Kamala Harris's name at the top of the note card. And it has several positives mentioned about her or whatever on this note. So it just is all setting it up for, the speculation, at least, that she's going to be his campaign running mate and really just the reality. I i couldn't see it going any other way. I knew Stacey Abrams wasn't a, a deal. That wasn't going to happen. I knew a lot of things weren't going to happen. But that particular um, partnership makes a lot of sense in in the most disgusting way possible. You know what I'm saying? But what are you going to do? Like I said, here we go. Even further with Congress and the vice president, let's stay in the vice president for a minute, though, because the current vice president may or may not be an idiot. We don't know, but he's definitely a bootlicker and a, you know, a patsy and a compliant person when it comes to supporting anything that the current president thinks is popping. So Pence is out here actually having a meeting today with, the now discredited group called America's frontline doctors, the people who were standing behind and with, uh, Dr. Um, I forget her name, it's Dr. Samuel, Dr. Isabella, whatever her name is who was saying that, you know, demon sperm is responsible for, uh, fibroids or whatever, you know, crazy shit. Like I said, when you start really reading the things that she's about, the things that she's espousing, you gotta kind of question what kind of people take this seriously. What kind of people are you listening to that listen to this? I'm like, damn, man, like that's like finding out your teachers are like flat earthers. You know what I'm saying? Like, hold up, man, you, you teach geography though, and you're a flat work, you're a flat earther. Like, this is crazy. So again, a lot of these people. On these platforms, they haven't been thoroughly vetted. That information gets spread all around and all around through Facebook, Google, Apple, all of that. And then it gets to the highest of heights, to actually the vice president's desk, where the vice president is actually sitting here entertaining this foolishness. So as we move on along with this, you know, people love to entertain foolishness and people love to, you know, play stupid games and win stupid prizes. It's one of their favorite pastimes. So Louis Gohmert, who is a Republican representative from Texas, very outspoken, vocal critic of the coronavirus, social distancing, mask, hoax, oh, you already know where this is going. Yes, he's he's COVID nineteen positive. However, here's the twist in this. Like I said, he's a very active member of Cong- Republican member of Congress. He was actually present with the Attorney General Bill Barr at the hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday. He walked into the hearing room with Bill Barr, not wearing a mask. He's been observed several times throughout the U.S. Capitol campus, you know, building, whatever you would like to call it, in the House floor, in the House chamber, and in several other committee rooms interacting with a lot of members of Congress without a mask, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know how close he's been to the president or if he's been close to the president. But again... Not taking community spread seriously, not taking this shit seriously is going to be the death of these people. And it's just hilarious that they're going to do it to themselves. This guy's excuse for this shit is even more funny. He said he got coronavirus from wearing a mask. He's, that's how he says he got it. He like, look, man, if I hadn't been wearing a mask so much, mind you, he hasn't been wearing a mask a lot, but... He has seen him. You see him wearing a mask every now and again. He's like, if I had been wearing the mask so much, I wouldn't. I probably got some virus on my hands, and then I put it on the mask. This is really what he said: a member of Congress, somebody who has access to America's top medical professionals. All of that shit is hilarious. Comedy all day. Like I said, after this, of course, Bill Barr has now said that he's going to go get tested. For COVID-19. And I don't know man. Like again. I don't wish death on anybody. I don't want anybody to die. And leave their family before they time. But I do need these motherfuckers. To maybe sit down in the ICU. For a couple of weeks. And just you know think about life. Maybe have a Boris Johnson moment. Not saying that Boris Johnson came out of his. Whole um, you know. Situation with COVID in the UK. delivered. But at the end of the day. The guy you know. He, he had a little bit more respect for the whole situation, you know what I'm saying? He's talking about eating good now and all of that stuff. He's talking about trying to, you know, change Britain's health habits, which is really what it's about. Like I said, man, watch that video with that doctor, Roby Mitchell, man. He's talking about what nobody's discussing throughout this whole pandemic, which is how your internal health, the amount of vitamins you ingest, the amount of pain and punishment that your with immune system can withstand the amount of strength of your white blood cells all of that matters and all of that shit matters because of what you put in your body g you know what i'm saying that's the only way to affect all of those factors you know what i'm saying things you put into your body and the amount of work and exercise you put your muscles through period point blank but clowns want to blame it on wearing masks We gotta laugh. In the meantime, in between time, people are still outside trying to fight for justice all across the damn world, man. In Portland, Oregon, as we've said, this is probably, what, around day 64 or something like that, something crazy of the Portland protests, which has started right around the time of the George Floyd protests, about the same exact time. Protesters who've been arrested in Portland, Oregon now as a condition of their release, are required to sign a document that says that they agree to not protest. As a protester who's gotten arrested for exercising their their First Amendment right, whatever law that they broke was not the law against protesting, they have to sign a document basically giving away their First Amendment right in order to be freed up from incarceration. It's bullshit. And it's ridiculous. like, The lawyers who are even handling this are saying this is laughably unconstitutional. There's no reason to think that this should be reasonably complied with, could be reasonably complied with, or could even be enforced. Like, I went to a protest, I got arrested for being at a protest. So you're telling me if I go to another protest, I'm just going to get arrested again for being at a protest? Sounds like a cycle to me. Sounds like a very ridiculous waste of law enforcement resources. But again, that's the type of silly shit that we're doing. And that's why people are choosing the Portland Federal Courthouse as their target for this whole entire protest. Not as a target to burn, not as a target to loot, not as a place to tear down, as a place to focus their anger and their displeasure because they see how the judiciary branch of the government has been handling the people for decades, man. And Portland, Oregon, like I said, is not exempt from this just because it seems to be a place of craft beer and flannel shirts and really chilled out white people smoking really good weed. That's not all Portland is about. Ask some of those chilled out white people who be up there smoking that weed. It's crazy, man. Like I said, also, the entire genesis of this movement was the George Floyd killing and protests that followed. In Minnesota, the first fires that were set were set by somebody who was videotaped, and they called this person Umbrella Man. This dude was wearing all black. He had an umbrella over his head, just conspicuously wearing an umbrella over his head, and busting out the windows of the AutoZone and setting things on fire and throwing them in there. The AutoZone was the first fire. The AutoZone was the first fire in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You could say that that was the first fire of this whole entire protest season. And the person who started this fire, they're only identifying him as Umbrella Man. They haven't released his name yet, but they're saying that there's a warrant out for his arrest. And they're saying that this is the person who is a part of perhaps a white supremacist group or something of that nature. I stick with the damn theory that I had from the beginning that that motherfucker is police. That's the police. When I saw it, when I saw he was moving, and even with the umbrella, you already know that the umbrella probably was used to identify him from the sky by whomever was protecting him. They was like, keep an eye on the homie with the umbrella. He good. If he gets into trouble, we got his back. Other than that, let him rock. Let him do what they going to do. It's all a a simple ass setup to me. And now, again, they found that girl who allegedly burned that Wendy's in um, Atlanta with the quickness. They went through her goddamn Pinterest profile and found out her latest Etsy purchases and found her through all of that. Which, again, like I said, yo... The way that they move out here with your data and with your information, all these pro all these things that you do, like, yo, you gotta know what you out here against. That's why I'm on here every day saying that I know I'm aware that you motherfuckers is watching me. So hey, hello. This is what I'm about. This is how I feel right here. Because if you think that you hide and you think that you low, you are not. Data, our data is out here in the world. It is. It is public information, sad but true. And that's the only real currency. That's what they really respect out here. And that's what they're really fighting for. Like I said, these antitrust uh, meetings that happened today on the Capitol were and could have been immensely important to have a conversation about how all of our data is in the hands of a handful of companies, like literally like five, maybe six companies, and they share it with everybody. But... We're not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about, you know, conservatives being silenced on Facebook. Fuck out of here. Anyway, in another country that's dealing with real political unrest and real dissidents, in Bolivia, thousands of people are taken to the streets in protest against something that I feel like is soon to come out here. Delayed elections. They've been postponing the elections in Bolivia for several months right now. They have a re- an election that took place in September of last year that still hasn't been ratified. The, the results still haven't been ratified. People still haven't been seated, et cetera, et cetera. Fam, that's coming. That's going to happen here. Like, if y'all think November is going to be smooth, you have a total rude awakening coming. As I said, the district has already slashed the amount of polling paces they're planning to open in half. We had 160 polling places just in June. There are 80 scheduled to be open for the November election. If you really want to make some noise, you really want to say something, get out here and tell them people to open up more polling places. Tell them people you are willing to volunteer and work and man these polling places. If we got to bring the damn machines in ourselves, if we love representative democracy that much. I'm a journalist. I First of all, I'm a voter. A lifelong voter. I've always rocked with it but as a journalist learning more and learning as much as I've learned about it being a sham I'm sorry it's it's trash and I've seen voter suppression playing out in such an extreme way over the last 10 to 15 years of my life it's fuck that 20 since 2001 since Al Gore got the election stolen from him from George Bush I have seen the the constant deterioration of electoral politics. And I am not here to give y'all some fake optimism. I don't believe that the United States will be a representative democracy much longer. I believe that we are sliding directly towards authoritarianism, dictatorship, oligarchy, all of that. It's all blended into one. We can, you know, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll come up with a new beautiful name for it. I'm sure it'll be great, but it'll be a dictatorship by any other name. And, you know, that just lets you know who's in charge and how they're rocking, man. In Bolivia, they are literally undergoing a coup, like, that's happening. And they say it's been happening for a year. I would say that we're undergoing a coup that's been happening for five, for, pardon me, for four years now. That's how I feel. That's what I see happening. I mean, you know, people could agree or disagree, but we are literally having a drastic shift In not just the values of this country, because that's on display clearly, but the leadership, the leadership style, the way leadership is done here. You know what I'm saying? Like this is about to be a, a lot different. You know, it's going people may be able to adapt and to adjust. Like I said, it doesn't benefit the system. For drastic, jarring change. Maintaining the status quo is what the majority of the people out here care about anyway. So it don't benefit them to see this shit collapse. But to see this shift in the direction that it's shifting is very beneficial to a certain class of people. And it's very important to pay attention to who those people are, yo. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, anyway, Trump, you know, 45, he's out here, man. He is pushing in the direction of, you know, monarchy, kingdom shit and today you know he loves these executive orders he loves these presidential unilateral powers of you know that he has possessed as the president of the united states today he rescinded something called the affirmative furthering fair housing act that's an obama that's an obama era action that's an old man tell him see that's real gang shit that's real gang shit right there Nobody's more gangster than the U.S. government, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's happening. And check this gangster shit out. So Obama made this act, Affirmative Furthering Fair Housing Act, AFFHA, whatever you want to call. You know, this act said that we have to begin as a country through policies, through enforceable policies to mandate the desegregation of America's suburbs. The clauses, the deeds that literally have in them, you cannot sell this home to a person of color. There are literal, there are thousands. I learned recently that there are thousands of deeds in D.C. that say that, in parts of D.C. that you would not even think that have been come to be known as black people parts of town, like Petworth, places like, you know, I don't know, Manor Park, all of it, craziness, Ridge Park even, craziness. Actual shit, man. So, while I'm saying all of this, he's rolling back this legislation that is specifically targeted to overcoming segregation in the suburbs and the way that he is putting it to the people is, it's not even a dog whistle. This is a siren. This is a racist siren. This man is literally saying, folks, I am here to protect your suburbs. Don't worry about your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is under attack by these foreign influences. I'm here to protect it. Yo, that is a siren, fam. They are letting you know that they are protecting their ground. What up, my, What up, my man? Yo, chill in the house. Yeah, listen, they're letting y'all know, man, they are here to protect their lifestyle, their way of life, and their way of life does not include diversity. The biggest lie we was ever told about this country is that this is some type of melting pot, and we really care about diversity and wanting everyone to blend no this is a damn labor camp all right and there's bosses and there's workers all right and they have said that hey send us your sick you're tired blah 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 yeah they're gonna be workers <laughs> they're not gonna they maybe a couple of them can grow to be bosses because that's the way society works this capitalism game we're gonna sell you that anybody can be a winner that's the, that's the story we have to tell you in order for the winners to keep winning so people come over believing that and they put their all into one day becoming a winner not knowing that because they're putting their all in they have exponentially furthered the winners winning the winners winnings the winners winnings have multiplied by a billion due to your hard work in the pursuit of winning in any shape that's resembling what the winner's winning is doing. And the winners are not winning because they worked hard. They're winning, like somebody said this, and it's always been true, behind every fortune there's a crime. The Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Vanderbilts, all of these people who people refer to as like these big lions of society. Now, in real life, yo, these people are criminals. They're, they're robber barons. They're called the robber barons for a reason. If anybody has any family, and this is a lot of white American story, People who had folks who worked in the railroads, in the mining, in the steel, in, you know what I'm saying, in farming, in all of these type of things. And they had to deal with the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts and they fucked them over viciously, like really destroyed whole entire, you know, communities, whole entire businesses, whole entire families for the sake of progress. Yo, if you in the way, you got to get the, out of the way all right? We mining this gold out here. We running this shit. And because they ran it like that, they were able to control and build what we know as the Roaring Twenties, the Golden Ages of Capitalism, all of this shit, all these bridges that you see in New York and D.C. and all these big high buildings you see in Chicago and San Francisco, all of that was built off of crime, all right? Straight up, crime, you don't want to call it slavery. You don't have to call it slavery. You don't want to call it theft. You don't have to call it theft. It's what happened. You know what I'm saying? People were exploited. People were enslaved. People were robbed. And this particular president and this particular uh, uh, administration, excuse me, is making America great again by reinstating those times. That's what you got to understand. When they talked about making America great again, we, the 50s and all of that, that was different. Like, that was... That was what they might have seen as the beginning of the end, to be quite honest, when we started having to integrate society and they started having to share things equitably. Like the time of just running over people rampantly, that's when America was super great. That's when they loved it. That's when Fred Drumpf came to America and changed his name to Trump and had some bum ass kids and, you know, so on and so on and so on. But that's what your boy is up to. That's what kind of signals are being blasted out of the uh, Rose Garden today. You know what I'm saying? This is the... Yo, shout out to you, Blow, for understanding that. This is the Roaring Twenties once again. And people don't understand what type of wild shit happened in the Roaring Twenties, yo. Where's my book? It's right here. It's called A Savage Peace. It talks about everything that happened in the decade following the pandemic, 1918, 1919, Spanish flu... Very big thing, you know, read up on it. Also following prohibition, also following women's suffrage, women getting the right to vote in the United States of America. Yo, so many revolutionary things happened while people were fleecing the world. And it's funny because the CNN headline today about this monopoly antitrust meeting today literally said that Zuckerberg, Cook, um, Sashi and, um, who am I leaving out? Bezos are the new Vanderbilts, Rockefellers, and Carnegies of the world. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to do the same shit that those people did too. Like, you know, Carnegie, you know, Rockefeller, you know, these Vanderbilt, you know, these names that's attached to good things like universities or Rockefeller Center with the Christmas tree or, you know what I'm saying, Carnegie Hall with great singing and great acting and all of that shit. Yo, these people were criminals, dog. Like, these people were gangsters. They don't care about anyone. But now, because at the end of their lives, they understood philanthropy and the story that was going to be told by the future generations was going to depend, thank you, Roosevelt's, the stories that were going to be told, the Peabody's, thank you, keep them coming. Yo, the stories that were going to be told by future generations were going to be dependent on their philanthropy, not on their accomplishments, not on the gangster shit that they did. This is Monopoly gang, like this is real gangster shit. If y'all ever wanted to watch a show about all of that, especially the, about the 20s. Boardwalk Empire. If you haven't watched Boardwalk Empire, Boardwalk Empire is a dope quarantine Corona binge watch. Check that shit out. Man, talk about the Smithsonian. Hey, listen, we could go all night because we know that that's what they do is put their names on scholarships and all type of positive shit after they rape the world. You know what I'm saying? But we... As the younger generation, as people who are interested in education have to continue to keep that shit going and make sure people know that, no, that's not how it went. It went this way in real life. You know what I'm saying? Because defining and controlling the narrative is the key to keeping people's minds locked. And if you keep people's minds locked, you don't got to worry about their physical. You don't even have to worry about their physical. Man, look, Cecil Rose, Nobel. Hey, listen, we can can go all night. I love it, man. The comments keep me energized here, guys. Y'all keep it rocking, for real, man. Look, among the other, like, I'm not even going to get super sidetracked on that because, With 45's nonsense, too, I got to tell you, there's some interesting craziness happening in the country that I don't know if people know about right now. There's a brushing scam going on where a lot of people, I don't know, man, tell me anybody in the comments if this is happening. Yo, have you gotten sent a random pack of seeds? Like, just seeds, like, you know, look like oak tree seeds or plant seeds or something like that. They're saying all 50 states, all 50 states have issued a warning about these random packs of seeds that have been showing up in the mail in people's houses. And they say that if you get them, you should not plant them. Some people are theorizing that they're invasive seeds and species from China. Yo, look, go. I'm, I'm not fretting. Go on, see it there. Go on your Google machine and look this up. This is a very real thing, man. Like, all of this spooky shit is happening under the guise of some very blatant and overt, like attention-grabbing flashbang situations, you know what I'm saying? It's like when they throw a flashbang in the room. It's not they're not coming in that room to, to hug you. They coming in that room to shoot you, bro. So it's like, yo, this is just things are just. Harbingers of more dangerous things to come and more concerning things to come. And it bothers me. I tell you another harbinger that people are not discussing again 12,000 troops today ordered out of Germany. The United States of America is pulling 12,000 troops out of Germany. If you are a former military or current military person, you know anything about troop movements. Troop movements are not random. Nobody just woke up in the morning and was like, yo, let's just, you know, 12,000 12, of them there. let's get them up out of there. You know what I'm saying? Send them on home. Why? Where? What, what's what's going on? Where are they going? Where is the U.S. military being deployed to or being moved to now that, yo, and from what I understand and from what I know from all my homies that's ever been in the military and my cousin who used to play in the NFL um, Euro League, fam, Germany is sweet. There's nothing crazy going on in Germany, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing wild out there. And I don't think that the United States of America is pulling troops out of Germany somewhere sweet to address a conflict somewhere else across the world or that because they feel as though Germany is just all good because it's a strategic position that allows you to attack anything that's over in Eastern Europe. Like if something was to break out in Turkey, Poland, wherever, whatever... Germany is a very strategic position to have 12,000 troops in. But now they're going. Where are they going? Could they be coming here? Could it be a thing that people who have been chilling out in Germany for the last couple of years on deployment, now being indoctrinated and being activated to come to the homeland and perhaps do some type of security mission that, you know, would not be in our best benefit? questions you have to ask yourself, things that I wonder about. Yo, I'm so glad you joined. Again, we're talking about troop movements. We're talking about how the United States is pulling 12,000 troops out of Germany, and that seems to the public to be inexplicable. It seems to make people wonder, why were there 12,000 troops in Germany in the beginning? But like I said, strategic base placement, strategic troop placement, that's what this country is about, and colonization requires you know measured aggression let's see where this next wave of colonization and this next and this next wave of aggression is pointed you know what i'm saying because globalization as much as they like to rail against that they're railing against that in business in philosophy in culture in mind state they are very much so into globalization they want homogeny they want all of us to be kind of like on the same page doing the same thing, you know what I'm saying, We're feeling the same bite, you know, yo, hey, I'm glad you know, Marie, I, you know, I want to put you out there, but yes, that shit is crazy, like, that's, that don't make no sense to me, I know you work close proximity with those folks, you know what I'm saying, and I know that, like, they don't do anything on accident, They don't accidentally, they don't just pull up from places. They don't, you know what I'm saying? And there's also a definite plan for where they're going to be next. And I'm just saying, as concerned U.S. citizens, we should ask ourselves, where is that going to be? Everything, all the signs point to currently it being the homeland, because right now there are federal police on the streets of Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington, wearing military uniforms, using military call numbers all types of technology that we thought was reserved for our enemies abroad. That's happening right here in our streets today. Now, right now, you know what I mean? And Hey man, what they say? Whose streets Our streets, you know what I'm saying? It's my town, man. So, you know, I'm concerned. Like when I saw the helicopter floating through DC, I was like, Oh, this is problematic. You know, so this is, this is not good. But, uh, you know, we're, we're stopping in that direction, man. And the city is wild, man. Like, D.C. is crazy, man. I got to shout out my longtime homie, great listener, great friend of the show, my man Richie, man. He gave me a, a big scoop today, man, and something that a lot of people don't know about happened. And it's just a story in the back of the uh, Washington Post right now. But my man called me this morning and really told me about it and was like, yo, this shit shook him up as a dude who got work and, li- and live in D.C., at the pumping station um, on 52 O Street, this in Washington D.C. the water D.C. water's pumping station, there was a shooting and a suicide this morning. One of the water, pl- one of the um, employees came to the plant, and he I guess had a, a, you know, a confrontation, a disagreement with someone, and there came to a point where he shot the dude. The dude didn't die. But when the police were called, according to my source, when the police was called, the person who was responsible for the shooting was very, very much so against the idea of going back to jail for any reason at all and took his own life. And took his own life, yo, took his own life. And that's crazy because this is the country that we live in. And people think about, you know, these mass shootings, people talk about these mass shootings all the time, these workplace shootings and things of that nature. And yes, those are tragic. But smaller tragedies take place all the time, especially in workplaces all across the country. And to think that somebody was so uh so disturbed by the prospect of going back to jail that they, you know, took their own life at their job is crazy. So, you know, it's just Shows you, man, we live in a wild-ass, violent-ass society, man. It's just nuts. Big shout-out to my source. Shout-out to my man for doing that reporting and for, you know, doing me doing a little research. This The the um, deceased name hasn't even been released yet, you know what I'm saying? They haven't released the identity of either of the parties involved, you know what I'm saying? But prayers to those families, man, for real. That's crazy, yo. In Montgomery County, this is weird. So I got two stories back-to-back that just don't make no sense. I never thought I'd be saying shit like this. In Montgomery County, they have decided to ban some no-knock warrants. Basically, the police in Montgomery County have been told to relax with being the goddamn A1 kicking-ass police force that you guys are and have been forever. Yo, don't fuck around in Montgomery County. I don't even know why people commit crimes in Montgomery County because that shit is crazy. But, you know, shouts to Wheaton and Langley Park and all of that because this shit is real out there. But, like, yo, you do not want to be out on Coltsville Road slipping. Montgomery County is not playing with their police and their law enforcement. So they have decided that they're going to ban certain no-doc warrants. However, in Washington, D.C., where we have known, you know, a lot of different interesting things to happen with law enforcement here, especially in how, you know, corrupt and how dirty shit can get out here. Muriel Bowser wants the Washington, D.C. police to enforce the mask mandate for businesses. She wants the police to lock people up in D.C. at businesses for not wearing masks. First of all, the demographic of D.C. has changed so damn much that she knows that that is not going to be an enforceable thing anywhere near 14th Street, U Street, Shaw, anywhere where gentrifiers are. That's not going to be enforceable. They're going to try to take that shit to the hood. And what's going to happen? People are going to go to jail. People are going to go to jail. And why does Muriel, after in this tense moment of police brutality and protest against policing in America, want people to go to jail for a mask that Metro just said that they got like 500,000 of and they're going to start handing out? Like, what? What's really going on here? Are you just tr- are, are you trying to make our city better? Or are you trying to lock up more people who don't fit within the demographic of what you believe that the city should be? I read like a really disgusting article by some dude who was talking about why he left DC after Muriel put the Black Lives Matter uh, thing on the fo- on the uh, floor at Sixteenth Sixteenth um, Street, talking about how he felt as though the city had been failing him as an economic uh, driver of the city's, you know, engine. Like, I eat at all these restaurants. I I live on 11th and Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm Capitol Hill. I shouldn't have to deal with crime and crazy people outside of my house. Like, yo, these people are disgusting. And this is who she want in the city. This is who she kowtowing to. You know what I'm saying? This is who she answered to. You know what I mean? To put something out like that just tells you that that's not directed towards them. I've been up to, I go, when I go shopping for groceries during the pandemic, I hit the gentrification spots, okay? I Not even the gentrification spots. I hit the old money spots. I'm up in Town and, you know, Connecticut Avenue shopping for groceries because I know they ain't out of toilet paper. I already know they got the fresh produce and they know what time it is. You know what I'm saying? They never had a shortage up there. And when I go up there... I don't see a lot of pressure or concern about masks, about social distancing, about any of that. And I don't see no shortage of hand sanitizer, masks being handed out, people being willing to concede or help you in any way, shape or form to protect yourself or protect them while you're dealing with this virus if they have any concerns. Cats are running. They don't give a shit. They might just put their shirt up, but they're just having a great time in Rock Creek Park. Meanwhile, we're being threatened with jail. You know what I'm saying? Something you got to ask yourself about, man. And also, the biggest, I got to touch on this before the show even ends. The biggest D.C. resident, one of the the richest, by far the richest D.C. resident. Excuse me. By far. Big Jeff Bezos, House of Adams Morgan. You know how he roll. You know what I'm saying? His ex-wife, Power moves today, man. His ex-wife decided that she was, his ex-wife's net worth, let's put this all in, oh man, yeah, we did, yo, we definitely talked about the the racist siren that is the repealing of the AFFHA, you know what I'm saying? It's back on the show, it's in there though, but yo, I gotta talk about this. Bezos' ex-wife, net worth $62.3 billion. She decides today to give 1.7 billion, 1.7 billion to HBCUs and several racial equity related causes. She is responsible for the largest single endowment to several universities. I don't believe it's the largest endowment to all of these universities, but Hampton University has said this is their largest single donation. She also donated to Howard University, the Spellman and Morehouse gang, Xavier in Louisiana. Shout out to that. Shout out to that. Donating some money to a college in Louisiana. I wish it was my school, Southern University, but, you know, Xavier is lit too. I took my son there. He said he would like to go there. I'm I'm down with that. And Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Um, It's good to see these funds being dispersed. I definitely heard from a few people on Twitter and a few people in the general public saying, Yo, that's dope and all, but I mean, it would be great if we could do shit like that. It would be dope if we had some multi-billionaires that were able to donate billions of dollars to our HBCUs and so on and so forth. But, you know, I guess we'll take it from McKenzie, too. Shout out to McKenzie, yo. McKenzie is definitely getting back with a vengeance on that be- Bezos come up. She came up with $36 billion off this man off of the, the settlement from the... Uh, you know, the divorce. So, you know, she's stole the right thing with her bread, man. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I'm I'm so, and yo, it's, thank you, blow. That is, that is more money than, um, Bloomberg donated to John Hopkins. Like, these PWIs, their endowments are huge from a multitude of people and, <laughs> yo, she definitely came up. <laughs> their endowments are huge from a multitude of people and they are the recipients of every brand of government assistance available. Trust me. Yo, That I see this tweet floating around. It's like, what's something that's cool if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor? And it's like selling weed, speaking two languages, also getting government assistance. It's cool if you're rich. It's trashy if you're poor. So just know that. Keep that shit in mind. But shout out to, you know, McKenzie out here getting money. Spinning it in the right ways, yo. You know what I'm saying? Sports, 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 sports. We got to talk about the games, man, because they're insisting on playing the games, yo. The Nationals are playing. Some other teams are playing baseball. I think the Marlins, they just go to cancel their people's They Florida is too reckless. Florida doesn't deserve nice things. Florida can't have nice things. You can't have a baseball team. You don't need any kind of organized events in Florida. You can't have a convention. You can't have anything in Florida, all right? Until you guys learn to behave yourselves, no good things for Florida. So, right now, more NFL players, though, are opting out of the entire season, man. People are like Eagles wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin, man, big boy, big time player, man, decides that he's not going to play. And this dude, not to say that he even needs a reason, but he has a really, really good reason. Last year, in, no, pardon me, in 2018, He, his wife, was pregnant with twins, and they came prematurely, and unfortunately, they didn't make it, and this man was about to play the game. He was, it was two hours before the game. He wasn't even at the hospital able to deal with all of this. Uh, He missed two games behind that, and, you know, just from mourning that particular loss, he now has a healthy baby girl daughter. She looked about, you know, as old as my daughter, maybe a little younger, and, He's like, what? Go out here and risk dying playing football, or bringing this shit back to my hand, to my family? Well, you gotta be fucked up. I'm, I'm good. I'm not playing. I respect it. Shout out to my man, Marquise Goodwin. Respect that. Stay healthy. Rest up. You know these people need you. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they about to go out there and play football. So you know what I'm saying? When it come down to the come down, you'll be able to come back and perform right on the level that you was at before, man. Yo, a whole bunch of other NFL players, like I said, have been opting out. But I learned something yesterday. I was watching Anderson Cooper. If anybody ever heard of Myron Roller, or, you know, watch football, you remember Myron Roll. He used to be a safety for uh, Pittsburgh. He used to be a safety for um, New England, too. Yo, my man left the NFL and is now a resident neurosurgeon. <laughs> he is a whole doctor. And Myron Roll, I remember Myron Roll was a dog. Myron Rowe could play. What up, Billy Ray, man? Funniest dude on the internet, man. Yo, I like this guy, man. For real. Yo, I'm telling you, man. Myron Rowe could play though, man. He was on AC 360 in his role as a resident neurosurgeon, talking about, yes, Roll Scholar Myron Rowe. Did not know Myron Rowe was a Roll Scholar either. You know what I'm saying? And we talked about that on a prior episode of the show, how these, you know. We got to say Cecil Rose Day when we talk about academic excellence, and I hate that. But my role is a smart motherfucker, man, really smart guy, and I appreciate that. So he was telling Anderson Cooper that, like, yo, in his professional opinion, as one of, like, the eight people in the world, maybe, that played professional football and is a certified doctor, medical doctor, and probably the only one that's a neurosurgeon, like, come on, bro. He's like, yeah, just, you know, we should probably relax on football for a year maybe we maybe we could chill on football for a year. I don't think it's safe. Uh yeah, they're totally up in arms about that. Yo, I read the damn comments under the tweet, and I was taken aback. Like, goddamn, is this the hell you're going to die on? Like, you're going to tell this man who went out and, and bled for the game, man, that he's, he's full of shit, and he's just a, a resident. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He shouldn't be even talking about this. I was crying laughing not crying laughing, but crying with tears for the American educational system, yo. It's sad. It's ridiculous, man. You know what I'm saying? But I tell you what, in sports, it always keeps you going. It always keeps like a story. It keeps something on the forefront of issues and situations, yo. I know y'all remember last year that cheating-ass team that the Washington Nationals beat for the World Series championship. Those Houston Astros, my wife over here looking at me crazy. I'm talking about your bum-ass team, the cheaters. They was out there cheating. So, you know, because they decided to play a football game, uh, pardon me, a baseball season this year, teams are deciding that they're going to get their fucking, they're going to get their work off on this guy this year. On this team, excuse me, this year. Joe Kelly, Dodgers pitcher, has been suspended <laughs> for eight games. Eight games is a lot of games, bro, especially in a shortened season. Eight games for throwing a beater at, you know, several Astros players. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you're going to get when you up on the mound wearing buzzers and shit. Come on, bro. Like, people don't take that well, man. It's We don't like the cheating, man. Fuck the Astros, That's hilarious, man. Like I said, the sports will keep you going, man. The sports will keep you going. And for those of us who aren't, you know, basking in the glow of at least having a game or two to talk about, from an American standpoint, just shout out to the EPL and, you know, the soccer crew across the world, Bundesliga, all of that, man. They've been booming. They've been booming out there. So shout out to all of that, you know what I'm saying? But... You know, in America, we like these sticks and balls, paws. Real phallic shit in America. Nobody ever thinks about that or talks about that. I think about that every time I see this giant phallic symbol in the middle of my city, Washington, D.C. But, you know, that's what we like in America. Anyway, drastically shifting gears. <laughs> For the end of this thing, I got to tell y'all, man, the episodes, or pardon me, the entertainment is coming. You know what I'm saying? I know everybody done binged out. Netflix and Hulu and all of that to the end, but uh, they going re up on us and they gave it. A, they did a little something for the, you know for the culture for the youths. Them man, they bringing back Moesha, they bringing back One on One, they bringing back the game, they bringing back the whole UPN lineup on you niggas, man. I bet if Where Brothers drop, I bet. But I heard that all of those shows was on other streaming services, but. I'm glad that people are excited about seeing Moesha again so they can see how trash Moesha's dad used to really be on that show. That shit used to make me mad, too. Like, and I ain't even watch the show that much, man. R.I.P. to my man, Hakeem. That was my boy, man. I used to like him on that show. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Flex Matthews. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Shout outs to everybody over at Netflix that felt it was necessary to do it for the culture, man. You know what I'm saying? And, uh... I think that's what to do it for tonight's uh, core report, man. I'm gonna put my drip back on real quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna shout out my whole girl, my family, my little cuz. You know what I'm saying? Styled and slave boutique, silky, silky slave boutique. My bad, my wife. You know what I'm saying? She know what it is. Silky slave boutique. The drip don't stop, y'all. It's the core report. Just remember, man. You know what I'm saying? Hit them people up. Get your drip. You know what I'm saying? Get it in. Mahalo, y'all. Remember. Things work out the best for those that make the best of the way that things work out, man. What is it? Wednesday? It's the Wednesday episode. All right. Thursday, we back at it. We'll talk about it on Friday. But I'll see y'all tomorrow, y'all. Peace!